chapter seven part two of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven part two report of the secretary of the treasury for raising additional supplies the report made by the secretary in pursuance of this resolution recommended certain augmentations of the duties on imports and was immediately referred to the consideration of a committee of the whole house resolutions were then passed which were to form the basis of a bill and which adopted not only the principles but with the exception of a few unimportant alterations the minute details of the report before the question was taken on the bill a motion was made to limit its duration the vote upon which strongly marked the progress of opinion in the house respecting those systems of finance which were believed to have established the credit of the united states the secretary of the treasury had deemed it indispensable to the creation of public credit that the appropriations of funds for the payment of the interest and the gradual redemption of the principal of the national debt should be not only sufficient but permanent also a party was found in the first congress who opposed this principle and were in favor of retaining a full power over the subject in each branch of the legislature by making annual appropriations the arguments which had failed in congress appeared to have been more successfully employed with the people among the multiplied vices which were ascribed to the funding system it was charged with introducing a permanent and extensive mortgage of funds which was alleged to strengthen unduly the hands of the executive magistrate and to be one of the many evidences which existed of monarchical propensities in those who administered the government the report lately made by the secretary of the treasury and the bill founded on that report contemplated a permanent increase of the duties on certain specified articles and a permanent appropriation of the revenue arising from them to the purposes of the national debt thirty-one members were in favor of the motion for limiting the duration of the bill and only thirty against it by the rules of the house the speaker has a right first to vote as a member and if the numbers should then be equally divided to decide as speaker being opposed to the limitation the motion was lost by his voice on the eighth of may after an active and interesting session congress adjourned to the first monday in november the asperity which on more than one occasion discovered itself in debate was a certain index of the growing exasperation of parties and the strength of the opposition on those questions which brought into review the points on which the administration was to be attacked denoted the impression which the specific charges brought against those who conducted public affairs had made on the minds of the people in an extensive division of the continent it may conduce to a more perfect understanding of subsequent transactions to present in this place a sketch of those charges strictures on the conduct of administration with a view of parties it was alleged that the public debt was too great to be paid before other causes of adding to it would occur this accumulation of debt had been artificially produced by the assumption of what was due from the states its immediate effect was to deprive the government of its power over those easy sources of revenue which applied to its ordinary necessities and exigencies would have answered them habitually and thereby have avoided those burdens on the people which occasioned such murmurs against taxes and tax-gatherers 
as a consequence of it although the calls for money had not been greater than must be expected for the same or equivalent exigencies yet congress had been already obliged not only to strain the impost until it produced clamour and would produce evasion and war on their own citizens to collect it but even to resort to an excise law of odious character with the people partial in its operation unproductive unless enforced by arbitrary and vexatious means and committing the authority of the government in parts where resistance was most probable and coercion least practicable that the united states if left free to act at their discretion might borrow at two-thirds of the interest contracted to be paid to the public creditors and thus discharge themselves from the principal in two-thirds of the time but from this they were precluded by the irredeemable quality of the debt a quality given for the avowed purpose of inviting its transfer to foreign countries this transfer of the principal when completed would occasion an exportation of three millions of dollars annually for the interest a drain of coin without example and of the consequences of which no calculation could be made the banishment of coin would be completed by ten millions of paper money in the form of bank bills which were then issuing into circulation nor would this be the only mischief resulting from the institution of the bank the ten or twelve per cent annual profit paid to the lenders of this paper medium would take out of the pockets of the people who would have had without interest the coin it was banishing that all the capital employed in paper speculation is barren and useless producing like that on a gaming table no accession to itself and is withdrawn from commerce and agriculture where it would have produced addition to the common mass the wealth therefore heaped upon individuals by the funding and banking systems would be productive of general poverty and distress that in addition to the encouragement these measures gave to vice and idleness they had furnished effectual means of corrupting such a portion of the legislature as turned the balance between the honest voters this corrupt squad deciding the voice of the legislature had manifested their dispositions to get rid of the limitations imposed by the constitution limitations on the faith of which the states acceded to that instrument they were proceeding rapidly in their plan of absorbing all power invading the rights of the states and converting the federal into a consolidated government that the ultimate object of all this was to prepare the way for a change from the present republican form of government to that of a monarchy of which the english constitution was to be the model so many of the friends of monarchy were in the legislature that aided by the corrupt squad of paper dealers who were at their devotion they made a majority in both houses the republican party even when united with the anti-federalists continued a minority but all of the mischiefs resulting from the system of measures which was so much reprobated none was so afflicting so fatal to every honest hope as the corruption of the legislature as it was the earliest of these measures it became the instrument for producing the rest and would be the instrument for producing in future a king lords and commons or whatever else those who directed it might choose withdrawn such a distance from the eye of their constituents they would form the most corrupt government on earth if the means of their corruption were not prevented these strictures on the conduct of administration were principally directed against measures which had originated with the secretary of the treasury and had afterwards received the sanction of the legislature in the southern division of the continent that officer was unknown 
except to a few military friends and to those who had engaged in the legislative or executive departments of the former or present government his systems of revenue having been generally opposed by the southern members and the original opposition to the constitution having been particularly great in virginia and north carolina the aspersions on his views and on the views of the eastern members by whom his plans had been generally supported were seldom controverted the remote tendency of particular systems and the motives for their adoption are so often subjects of conjecture that the judgment when exercised upon them is peculiarly exposed to the influence of the passions and where measures are in themselves burdensome and the necessity for their adoption has not been appreciated suspicions of their unknown advocates can seldom be unsuccessfully urged by persons in whom the people have placed their confidence it is not therefore cause of astonishment that the dark motives ascribed to the authors of tax laws should be extensively believed throughout the united states the party opposed to the constitution had charged its supporters with the desire to establish a monarchy on the ruins of republican government and the constitution itself was alleged to contain principles which would prove the truth of this charge the leaders of the party had therefore been ready from the instant the government came into operation to discover in all its measures those monarchical tendencies which they had perceived in the instrument they opposed the salaries allowed to public officers though so low as not to afford a decent maintenance to those who resided at the seat of government were declared to be so enormously high as clearly to manifest a total disregard of that simplicity and economy which were the characteristics of republics the levies of the president and the evening parties of mrs washington were said to be imitations of regal institutions designed to accustom the american people to the pomp and manners of european courts the vice-president too was said to keep up the state and dignity of a monarch and to illustrate by his conduct the principles which were inculcated in his political works the indian war they alleged was misconducted and unnecessarily prolonged for the purposes of expending the public money and of affording a pretext for augmenting the military establishment and increasing the revenue all this prodigal waste of the money of the people was designed to keep up the national debt and the influence it gave the government which united with standing armies and immense revenues would enable their rulers to rivet the chains which they were secretly forging every prediction which had been uttered respecting the anti-republican principles of the government was said to be rapidly verifying and that which was disbelieved as prophecy was daily becoming history if a remedy for these ills was not found in the increased representation of the people which would take place at the ensuing elections they would become too monstrous to be borne and when it was recollected that the division of opinion was marked by a geographical line there was reason to fear that the union would be broken into one or more confederacies these irritable symptoms had assumed appearances of increased malignity during the session of congress which had just terminated and to the president who firmly believed that the union and the liberty of the states depended on the preservation of the government they were the more unpleasant and the more alarming because they were displayed in full force in his cabinet disagreement between the secretaries of state and treasury between the secretaries of the state and treasury departments a disagreement existed which seems to have originated in an early stage of the administration and to have acquired a regular accession of strength from circumstances which were perpetually occurring until it grew into open and irreconcilable hostility without tracing this disagreement to those motives which 
in elective governments especially often produce enmities between distinguished personages neither of whom acknowledges the superiority of the other such radical differences of opinion on points which would essentially influence the course of the government were supposed to exist between the secretaries as in a great measure to account for this unextinguishable enmity these differences of opinion were perhaps to be ascribed in some measure to a difference in the original structure of their minds and in some measure to the difference of the situations in which they had been placed until near the close of the war mr hamilton had served his country in the field and just before its termination had passed from the camp into congress where he remained for some time after peace had been established in the former station the danger to which the independence of his country was exposed from the imbecility of the government was perpetually before his eyes and in the latter his attention was forcibly directed towards the loss of its reputation and the sacrifice of its best interests which were to be ascribed to the same cause mr hamilton therefore was the friend of a government which should possess in itself sufficient powers and resources to maintain the character and defend the integrity of the nation having long felt and witnessed the mischiefs produced by the absolute sovereignty of the states and by the control which they were enabled and disposed separately to exercise over every measure of general concern he was particularly apprehensive of danger from that quarter which he probably believed was to be the more dreaded because the habits and feelings of the american people were calculated to inspire state rather than national prepossessions under the influence of these impressions he is understood to have avowed opinions in the convention favorable to a system in which the executive and senate though elective were to be rather more permanent than they were rendered in that which was actually proposed he afterwards supported the constitution as framed with great ability and contributed essentially to its adoption but he still retained and openly avowed the opinion that the greatest hazards to which it was exposed arose from its weakness and that american liberty and happiness had much more to fear from the encroachments of the great states than from those of the general government mr jefferson had retired from congress before the depreciation of the currency had produced an entire dependence of the general on the local governments after which he filled the highest offices in the state of which he was a citizen about the close of the war he was re-elected to congress but being soon afterwards employed on a mission to the court of versailles where he remained while the people of france were taking the first steps of that immense revolution which has astonished and agitated two quarters of the world in common with all his countrymen he felt a strong interest in favor of the reformers and it is not unreasonable to suppose that while residing in that court and associating with those who meditated some of the great events which have since taken place his mind might be warmed with the abuses of the monarchy which were perpetually in his view and he might be led to the opinion that liberty could sustain no danger but from the executive power mr jefferson therefore seems to have entertained no apprehensions from the debility of the government no jealousy of the state sovereignties and no suspicion of their encroachments his fears took a different direction and all his precautions were used to check and limit the exercise of the powers vested in the government of the united states neither could he perceive danger to liberty except from that government and especially from the executive department he did not feel so sensibly as those who had continued in the united states the necessity of adopting the constitution and had at one time avowed a wish that it might be rejected by such a number of states as would secure certain alterations which he thought essential his principal objections seemed to have been the want of a bill of rights and the re-eligibility of the president from this opinion however in favor of a partial rejection he is understood to have receded 
after seeing the plan pursued by the convention of massachusetts and followed by other states which was to adopt unconditionally and to annex a recommendation of the amendments which were desired to these causes of division another was superadded the influence of which was soon felt in all the political transactions of the government the war which was terminated in seventeen eighty three had left in the bosoms of the american people a strong attachment to france and enmity to great britain these feelings in a greater or less degree were perhaps universal and had been prevented from subsiding by circumstances to which allusions have already been made they had evinced themselves in the state legislatures by commercial regulations and were demonstrated by all those means by which the public sentiment is usually displayed they found their way also into the national councils where they manifested themselves in the motions respecting the favors which ought to be shown to nations having commercial treaties with the united states although affection for france and jealousy of britain were sentiments common to the people of america the same unanimity did not exist respecting the influence which ought to be allowed to those sentiments over the political conduct of the nation while many favored such discriminations as might eventually turn the commerce of the united states into new channels others maintained that on this subject equality ought to be observed that trade ought to be guided by the judgment of individuals and that no sufficient motives existed for that sacrifice of general and particular interests which was involved in the discriminations proposed discriminations which in their view amounted to a tax on american agriculture and a bounty on the navigation and manufactures of a favored foreign nation the former opinion was taken up with warmth by the secretary of state and the latter was adopted with equal sincerity by the secretary of the treasury this contrariety of sentiment respecting commercial regulation was only a part of a general system it extended itself to all the relations which might subsist between america and those two great powers in all popular governments the press is the most ready channel by which the opinions and the passions of the few are communicated to the many and of the press the two great parties forming in the united states sought to avail themselves the gazette of the united states supported the systems of the treasury department while other papers enlisted themselves under the banners of the opposition conspicuous among these was the national gazette a paper edited by a clerk in the department of state the avowed purpose for which the secretary patronized this paper was to present to the eye of the american people european intelligence derived from the laden gazette instead of english papers but it soon became the vehicle of calumny against the funding and banking systems against the duty on home-made spirits which was denominated an excise and against the men who had proposed and supported those measures with perhaps equal asperity the papers attached to the party which had defended these systems assailed the motives of the leaders of the opposition letters from washington on the subject this schism in his cabinet was a subject of extreme mortification to the president entertaining a high respect for the talents and a real esteem for the characters of both gentlemen he was unwilling to part with either and exerted all the influence he possessed to effect a reconciliation between them in a letter of the twenty third of august addressed to the secretary of state after reviewing the critical situation of the united states with respect to its external relations he thus expressed himself on this delicate subject how unfortunate and how much is it to be regretted then that while we are encompassed on all sides with avowed enemies and insidious friends internal dissension should be harassing and tearing our vitals the last to me is the most serious the most alarming and the most afflicting of the two and without more charity for the opinions of one another in governmental matters or some more infallible criterion 
by which the truth of speculative opinions before they have undergone the test of experience are to be forejudged than has yet fallen to the lot of fallibility i believe it will be difficult if not impracticable to manage the reins of government or to keep the parts of it together for if instead of laying our shoulders to the machine after measures are decided on one pulls this way and another that before the utility of the thing is fairly tried it must inevitably be torn asunder and in my opinion the fairest prospect of happiness and prosperity that ever was presented to man will be lost perhaps for ever my earnest wish and my fondest hope therefore is that instead of wounding suspicions and irritating charges there may be liberal allowances mutual forbearances and temporizing yielding on all sides under the exercise of these matters will go on smoothly and if possible more prosperously without them everything must rub the wheels of government will clog our enemies will triumph and by throwing their weight into the disaffected scale may accomplish the ruin of the goodly fabric we have been erecting i do not mean to apply this advice or these observations to any particular person or character i have given them in the same general terms to other officers of the government because the disagreements which have arisen from difference of opinions and the attacks which have been made upon almost all the measures of government and most of its executive officers have for a long time past filled me with painful sensations and cannot fail i think of producing unhappy consequences at home and abroad in a subsequent letter to the same gentleman in answer to one which enclosed some documents designed to prove that though desirous of amending the constitution he had favored its adoption the president said i did not require the evidence of the extracts which you enclosed me to convince me of your attachment to the constitution of the united states or of your disposition to promote the general welfare of this country but i regret deeply regret the difference of opinion which has arisen and divided you and another principal officer of the government and wish devoutly there could be an accommodation of them by mutual yieldings a measure of this sort would produce harmony and consequent good in our public councils and the contrary will inevitably produce confusion and serious mischiefs and for what because mankind cannot think alike but would adopt different means to attain the same end for i will frankly and solemnly declare that i believe the views of both to be pure and well meant and that experience only will decide with respect to the salubrity of the measures which are the subjects of this dispute why then when some of the best citizens of the united states men of discernment uniform and tried patriots who have no sinister views to promote but are chaste in their ways of thinking and acting are to be found some on one side and some on the other of the questions which have caused these agitations why should either of you be so tenacious of your opinions as to make no allowance for those of the other i could and indeed was about to add more on this interesting subject but will forbear at least for the present after expressing a wish that the cup which has been presented to us may not be snatched from our lips by a discordance of action when i am persuaded there is no discordance in your views i have a great a sincere esteem and regard for you both and ardently wish that some line could be marked out by which both of you could walk these earnest endeavours to soothe the angry passions and to conciliate the jarring discords of the cabinet were unsuccessful the hostility which was so much and so sincerely lamented sustained no diminution and its consequences became every day more diffusive among the immediate effects of these internal dissensions was the encouragement they afforded to a daring and criminal resistance which was made to the execution of the laws imposing a duty on spirits distilled within the united states to the inhabitants of that part of pennsylvania which lies west of the allegheny mountains this duty was from local considerations peculiarly odious nor was their hostility to the measure diminished by any affection for the source in which it originated 
the constitution itself had encountered the most decided opposition from that part of the state and that early enmity to the government which exerted every faculty to prevent its adoption had sustained no abatement its measures generally and the whole system of finance particularly had been reprobated with peculiar bitterness by many of the most popular men of that district with these dispositions a tax law the operation of which was extended to them could not be favorably received however generally it might be supported in other parts of the union but when to this pre-existing temper were superadded the motives which arose from perceiving that the measure was censured on the floor of congress as unnecessary and tyrannical that resistance to its execution was treated as probable that a powerful and active party pervading the union arraigned with extreme acrimony the whole system of finances being hostile to liberty and with all the passionate vehemence of conviction charged its advocates with designing to subvert the republican institutions of america we ought not to be surprised that the awful impressions which usually restrain combinations to resist the laws were lessened and that the malcontents were emboldened to hope that those combinations might be successful opposition to the excise law some discontents have been manifested in several parts of the union on the first introduction of the act but the prudence and firmness of the government and its officers had dissipated them and the law had been carried into general operation but in the western district of pennsylvania the resistance wore the appearance of system and was regularly progressive in its commencement it manifested itself by the circulation of opinions calculated to increase the odium in which the duty was held and by endeavours to defeat its collection by directing the public resentments against those who were inclined either to comply with the law or to accept the offices through which it was to be executed these indications of ill-temper were succeeded by neighbourhood meetings in which resolutions of extreme violence were adopted and by acts of outrage against the persons of revenue officers at length in september seventeen ninety one a meeting of delegates from the malcontent counties was held at pittsburgh in which resolutions were adopted breathing the same spirit with those which had previously been agreed to in county assemblies unfortunately the deputy marshal who was entrusted with the process against those who had committed acts of violence on the persons of revenue officers was so intimidated by the turbulent spirit which was generally displayed that he returned without performing his duty and thus added to the confidence felt by the disaffected in their strength appearances were such as to justify apprehensions that the judiciary would be found unable to punish the violators of the laws and the means of obtaining aid from the executive had not been furnished by the legislature this state of things was the more embarrassing because the prejudices which had been widely disseminated and the misconceptions of the act which had been extensively diffused authorized some fears respecting the support which the law while yet in the infancy of its operation would receive from the people these considerations added to that repugnance which was felt by the government to the employment of harsh means induced a forbearance to notice further these riotous proceedings until the measure by being carried into full effect in other parts of the union should be better understood and until congress should assemble and modify the system in such a manner as to remove any real objections to it the existence of which might be suggested by experience accordingly in the legislature which convened in october seventeen ninety one this subject was taken up in pursuance of the recommendation of the president and an amendatory act was passed in may seventeen ninety two in which the whole system was revised and great pains were taken to alter such parts of it as could be deemed exceptionable this conciliatory measure did not produce the desired effect 
no abatement took place in the violence and outrage with which the resistance to the law was conducted to carry it into execution officers of inspection were necessary in every county the malcontents for a considerable time deterred every person from consenting to permit an office to be held at his house and when at length this difficulty was supposed to be overcome those who had been prevailed on to accede to the propositions of the supervisor in this respect were compelled by personal violence and by threats of the destruction of property and even of death to retract the consent they had given a meeting was again convened at pittsburgh in which among other very exceptionable resolutions committees were established to correspond with any committees of a similar nature that might be appointed in other parts of the united states by this meeting it was declared that they would persist in every legal measure to obstruct the execution of the law and would consider those who held offices for the collection of the duty as unworthy of their friendship that they would have no intercourse or dealings with them would withdraw from them every assistance and withhold all the comforts of life which depend upon those duties which as men and fellow-citizens they owed to each other and would upon all occasions treat them with contempt it was at the same time earnestly recommended to the people at large to adopt the same line of conduct president's proclamation no man could be more sensible than the president of the dangerous tendency of these measures nor more indignant at the outrage thus offered to the government of the united states but his prudence and his high respect for the laws restrained him within the narrow limits which the legislature had prescribed a proclamation was issued exhorting and admonishing all persons to desist from any combinations or proceedings whatsoever tending to obstruct the execution of the laws and requiring the interference of the civil magistrate and prosecutions against the offenders were directed to be instituted in every case in which they could be supported this proclamation produced no salutary effect many of the civil magistrates were themselves concerned in stimulating the excesses they were required to suppress and those who had not embarked in the criminal enterprise found themselves totally unable to maintain the sovereignty of the laws with a laudable solicitude to avoid extremities the government still sought for means to recall these misguided people to a sense of duty without the employment of a military force to obtain this desirable object the following system was digested and pursued prosecutions were instituted against delinquents in those cases in which it was believed that they could be maintained the spirits distilled in the non-complying counties were intercepted on their way to market and seized by the officers of the revenue and the agents for the army were directed to purchase only those spirits on which the duty had been paid by thus acting on the interests of the distillers the hope was indulged that they might be induced to comply with the law could they have obeyed their wishes these measures would have produced the desired effect but they were no longer masters of their own conduct impelled by a furious multitude they found it much more dangerous to obey the laws than to resist them the efficacy of this system too was diminished by a circumstance which induced the necessity of a second application to the legislature the act had not been extended to the territory northwest of the ohio in which great part of the army lay and the distillers eluded the vigilance of the government by introducing their spirits into that territory while from causes which were incessant and active in their operations some of which seemed too strongly fixed in the human mind ever to be removed a broad foundation was thus laid for those party struggles whose fury is generally proportioned to the magnitude of the objects to be attained and to the means which may be employed in attaining them the external affairs of the united states sustained no material change of the good understanding which was preserved with france a fresh proof had been recently given by the employment of mr ternan a person peculiarly 
acceptable to the american government to succeed the count de moustier as minister plenipotentiary of his most christian majesty and in turn mr governor morris who was understood to have rendered himself agreeable to the french government was appointed to represent the united states at the court of versailles in addition to these interchanges of civility a melancholy occasion had presented itself for giving much more substantial evidence of the alacrity with which the american administration would embrace any proper opportunity of manifesting its disposition to promote the interests of france End of chapter seven part two